Hello, everybody, and welcome to the one shot where we look at a tabletop role playing game, then do a one shot of it, and then review it. I'm Cody. And I'm Joe. And I'm David. Yes, we have our our unofficial third member of the one shot here. Yeah. The... I'm going to have to talk to somebody about this unofficial crap. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you ever watched the show on cinema at the cinema? There's like a no, long running joke. There's like a long running joke where it's two guys and he always refers to the second guy as the like guest. He's like, I like to think of myself as the second host. He's like, you're not. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I'm sorry. That's going to be a spike for you, Cody. Um, no, you're all good. But uh, yeah, we come. We've, we're back to do this review several weeks after we did this. So things are. A little fuzzy for me. I don't know how fuzzy they were for the rest of you, but I had to go I, look through my notes. Yeah, I fortunately wrote some stuff down right afterward. Yeah. Uh, uh, see, that would have been the smart thing to do. Good thing that's that's the that's the kind of podcast we run. Oh yeah, a real a real tight <laughs> ship around here. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I. I so my notes are unofficial though. Your notes are unofficial. Uh, oh okay. Oh no- yeah, because the unofficial third member. <laughs> <laughs> my my notes are um are are uh official adjacent i would say um well <laughs> i was lucky that i'm the one who edits the audio so i did hear and play it twice technically that's fair that's fair so yeah so it's kind of in your memory a little bit yeah 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 how would we ever find out what happened it's not like we recorded it and then put it on the internet <laughs> You know, now that you say that, I'm feeling like a real dink. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, oh. let's see. Uh, how, how have you how have you gentlemen been doing? I'm just going to do a little. Good. Yeah, good. Just hey, a good got, time. Getting up anything I mean, fun and nerdy, anything any recently? You guys been watching that Mandalorian? I have not. I have. I just we just watched the newest episode yesterday. I still have yet to watch the newest episode, but it's good. It is a I'm good. Just, I'm no just going to wait for the whole season and then just slam it all. Fair. Just, just That's like... what I was originally going to do. But <laughs> then there was a night where I was like, man, I want to watch some TV. And then I was like, <gasps> I forgot there's a whole season of this. That's true. Yeah. You, you're, you're saving. You're saving the space oliphant for yourself. Uh, God, man, I can't even imagine it. <laughs> I suppose nerdy stuff. I uh, fairly recently played through Disco Elysium, which I would unreservedly recommend to anybody. Nice. Oh, that game is so good. Yeah, if if you like role playing games that are, we'll say different from the standard RPG affair, that is a that is a great one. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what I've I started doing is um, my huh. my friend has started doing this crazy thing which i absolutely love where um he will have a game that he wants to play with someone and so he'll stream it and just make you make all the decisions so um yeah we uh mm-hmm, we're mm-hmm. playing um divinity original sin 2 um Ooh, where wow. solid well they they um i feel like i got inceptioned for this game um because uh obviously i chose beast because, like, someone sneaked into my brain in the middle of the night and was like, hey, this guy is a pirate and also a dwarf. And I was like, oh, very interesting. 
um this is this is me this someone just stole my original character um nice but yeah i mean that's that's it's been a lot of fun but yeah strap in buddy you're gonna be you're gonna be there for a while (laughs) (laughs) yeah for real it's a larian (laughs) game that's gonna take you ages i'm excited (laughs) yeah good and then cody anything you've been up to nerdy on the nerdy side of things uh well I competed for Raid First in Destiny 2, which we did not do. I fell asleep during the raid. Why do you sound like you regret it? Uh, because I, like, low-key do. Like, it's a fun <laughs> raid, but they put, like, it's it's hard mode on the first day so that everybody has a chance to, like, you know, get world first. And we weren't really running for first place. We were just being, we just wanted the accolade of, like, yeah, we did it on day one because it's harder. And I fell asleep during it, so. A stirring endorsement of Destiny 2, everyone. No, I was just up really early trying to prepare for it. And then Ah. we were up, we were stuck on the second boss encounter for like six hours. So Holy uh, shit. Yeah, it was a rough first day, but it was was fun to do. (laughs) It had its ups and downs. And then um, (laughs) I've been just eagerly awaiting for cyberpunk 2077 gotta get that keanu right i gotta get that keanu in my life but uh yeah that's that's about it nerdy for me anyway yeah so anyway uh we're we're back after playing our one shot of the mork borg uh yes so yeah do we want to start off with just kind of initial thoughts Okay, cool. Uh, I'll I'll get the ball rolling on it. Um, I I had a lot of fun. Um, I think that there were a lot of things that um I remember thinking as we were getting ready to play it. Um, that I was kind of excited about just the concept of, um, you know, not being super well attached to these characters, just because there is so much of like a randomization element to them. Um, where, you know, I feel like I am as a player, uh, it's something I'm, I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at, but I, I tend to hold my, my, my characters a little close to my chest and maybe make things that are optimal for keeping them alive versus, um, you know, telling like the most interesting story. And so one of the things I was thinking as we were getting ready for this is, you know, the numbers are so low and the characters are so randomly created like the book doesn't even necessarily say like think of a backstory in any meaningful way that I was kind of just excited of just like doing a straight dungeon crawl and, you know, having the possibility of my characters dying. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I was like a little worried that, you know, they were all going to die in the first encounter and it was going to be like a 20 minute episode or what have you. (laughs) Um, But um, it, it was, it was really, it was really cool um, having these characters where I feel like it was exciting to kind of be like a little bit more impulsive and a little bit less sacred, uh, just because you look at those numbers, you look at a character with, you know, four max HP and just like sitting there thinking like, well, there's a good chance that this character is going to die today. Um, so I don't necessarily have to care. Um, so I thought that it was really cool and, there was just something nice about going through just like a straight up and down, just like dungeon crawl adventure without necessarily having to worry about like going into town or like, you know, um, what have you. So 
that's that's kind of my initial thought is i was i was i had i had a lot of fun with just the notion of you know it's a role-playing game but it was more along the lines of you know kind of hack and slash versus like building a full world of a magical adventure so yeah that's where i'm at with the that's where i'm at with my initial thoughts um my initial thoughts um i loved it i thought it was a lot of fun um it wasn't nearly as brutal as i originally thought it was gonna be and i don't know if that was like partially because like hey we we're we're gonna run a fun show so like you know obviously dying in the first encounter is like not super fun but also like as i was looking through the book again i realized that like there are some punishing mechanics between like making sure you have like food and water that we never really got to play around with because obviously like item management for something that was going to be a one shot didn't really make sense or like, you know, we, we were going to push past that a little bit, but um, I guess my first thought was like, I had, it was a lot of fun. I guess I was like expecting like, Hey, you walk down this hall, arrows come out and you're dead um but it did it didn't end up being the case although i did lose a character to chewing on meat rope so like you do die in this game uh that's for sure and a question i had for you david was was it easier or did did we bull rush the or the the encounters a lot more than you were expecting or was it like you had it light so that we could like experience the game for what it for for all of the things that it was like i'm curious about the back end of that i had to mid-game patch it to make it harder okay so we were we were definitely bull rushing because i because i took a huge dump on the first encounter which i was fine with because like i didn't (laughs) make that one particularly hard because i was like eh, it's fine you know I, i want them to you know i mean like if you had been hit, there was a chance that you would have gotten infected, but I know you guys had some resources to deal with that stuff. Um, but no one was hit, and you guys just completely owned those dogs. And then, like, my thing was, like, the the next encounter is, like, the real encounter. Um, but you guys did really, really, really well. Like, it was actually surprisingly, like, not, you know, super, uh, super dangerous for some of it, even with, like, the skeletons holding people down. Like, my skeletons would have been fucking gibbed if I hadn't had that little mechanic. Um, and uh, I had to give the skeletons more hit points, even though they all had, like, armor and stuff. Mm. And uh, the mag- I made the maggots deal more damage near the end. Um, and the whole entire ending was basically, like, improvised. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So were were you expecting that like big old thing to pop out of the water that this uh the snake Oh I yeah no I had I so the original plan uh minus what the chronicle did all, all of that oh, was yeah. different uh the ori- I had, I had not really planned on you being able to bypass the wicker man but you guys seemed like really into it like uh which you know I pr- could have predicted from having it originally it was going to be like he doesn't care about you until you step on the clock on the wooden stuff and then he was going to like aggro um because that's like his job 
but I could have like I could have justified that, but you guys like went through this whole plan of like let's go here and sneak around him and all this stuff, and I'm like I don't want to just like be like no, <laughs> you can't sure uh, no. <laughs> so so and you guys had good plans and good roles, so I basically just like okay they get past them, you know that's you know that's kind of in the spirit of the sort of old school dungeon crawl where like if there's a dangerous challenge, you know if it's too dangerous you, you try and avoid it, not necessarily just smash it with your weapons um so the original narration i had written uh because a lot not all but a lot of the like set like room narrations and stuff i had pre-written because i can't come up with all that on the fly all the in combat stuff was you know improvised but um the original narration i wrote was for you to kill the wicker man and then fight the book while the serpent was coming in towards the crypt to devour it you would have had just like three rounds to kill the book or you lose Got uh, it. Interesting. The way it yeah. turned out was way better. <laughs> oh yeah, the us trying to sever the the cord and deal with all the stuff that was going on was so rad. And yeah. speaking of bull rushing your first encounter, I just so for the year of 2020, I've been recording every single nat 20 that I've ever experienced in this year and then in that one shot we had nine critical rolls oh wow god yeah for for a three-hour little bit which to give you context most 20s average out at least through my experience this year have been anywhere between like three and like seven like seven being on the high end. This one was like nine. It was like, damn. I think the dice were yeah. just excited to be like, you know, on the show. They're just it's like, true. oh, we got to be good for that. the for the the listening audience, you know. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, it turned out great, and I still ended up killing all but like one of you, frankly. Yeah. Uh, what happened to Belsum? Uh, is that your character who did not go in he, the drink? Correct. He he was the one that did not drown. I know he was like mind controlled. He got mind controlled, and um, he was gonna he was gonna kill the other character. So he was still technically alive because you know basically once you once you threw the um the last the son of the sun at the uh, at the chronicle, it burned it up, and then you know the it was over, uh, and then it was just sort of um you know ambiguous as to whether uh the two characters who were still alive had survived that so gotcha yeah i, I like how two of us died by drowning yeah um, it was not something i was exp like when if you were to ask me the ways that i could potentially die in this one shot i was like yeah i could imagine like getting stabbed by like a horde of skeletons or like stepping on a trap that set me on fire but not like Oh, you drowned because you were too heavy. <laughs> and and I think it was, uh, you know, kind of interesting to, um, you know, the fact that, like, yeah, we, we both drowned. And um, it seemed like at that point, that's when the dice had started to kind of betray us. Um, oh, absolutely. Because, like, like uh, we have mentioned a couple times now, we just, like, demolished those dogs initially. And, mm -hmm. and the Skelemans were... Um, you know, kind of hard, but like it wasn't anything out of like anything ridiculous. Um, I think it helped that we had, you know, we had chosen some like healing items and things like that to 
because I think Merkai was really close at one point, but he he juiced himself up. Um, yeah, you dodged like six hits, and then like in the last round before you guys won, you took a giant like you had like one hit point left. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I guess my question for you, David, is um, like when you were when you were planning these encounters, like I know that there was a section in the book of like potential monsters, but I didn't want to look at it because I didn't necessarily want to give myself like too much of an insider information. Are are the stats of the monsters comparable to the stats of the characters? Um, are there ones where it's just like, if you really just want to like, you know, make that final encounter that like you lose and everyone dies, like, are there some monsters that are just like, you know, take you to church, one hit KO or, um, what, like, what do the monsters look like? And then did you do any tweaking to the monsters, um, for our game? I know you said that you made the skeletons a little harder, uh, but I'm just curious, like what tweaking you did to like what was already established in the book. Yeah, all my monsters were custom. I used, um, you know, which might not be the best thing to do, but screw it. Uh, I used what was in the book as kind of like a guideline of like, you know, what I needed. But monsters are super easy to design in this game, which is one of my, like, I think, biggest pros. Um, Because it's like, all you really need is like, how many hit points does it have? Does it have armor? What's the morale check you need to roll below if you have to roll morale? What are its attack? That's it. That's it. Okay. Nice. That seems that seems pretty <laughs> yeah. uh that seems pretty easy for four I know, things. Yeah, because I know in in you know, Dungeons and Dragons, uh creating your own monster is a fucking nightmare if you're yeah. not well versed in how things work. If you don't know that you can ignore most of the stuff on the monster stat sheet, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, because you see all that stuff, and it's like a, it's like a fucking baseball card filled with stats about every single. <laughs> how do I monster. determine how many hit die my monster? It doesn't matter. Just it doesn't matter. It Just get pick a pick an HP, and you're fine. But yeah, <laughs> it's cool that it's easy to make monsters like that in this game. Cause, yeah. yeah, I was like, damn, I wonder how how custom you can get with this kind of stuff because. Well, I'll get yeah, into so, it later because my my opinion on the overall game uh, will be reflected by that. But yeah, so I, I I used a lot of like inspiration from what was in there. Um, and as for like, are there monsters in here that can just absolutely kill people? Yes. Um, there's a few. Uh, the the troll does two d six damage with its attack and has thirty two wow. hit points. Um, get out of here. Although it's easy to hit, attacks are dr ten. But still, like, that's that's the kind of thing um, that they have. And, like, a lot of the, like, I think one of the reasons that I didn't go with some of the nasty stuff that will end up killing you in a, in a you know, more long-form Morkboard game is a lot of the stuff, like, for example, the zombie. Anyone bitten tests toughness DR8 or dies within two days before rising as a zombie. The only cure is said to be found at the peak of a pale mountain within an infinitely miserable forest of dark leaves. Like, that's their ability. Huh. And it's like, that's probably going to kill your player. Yeah, for sure. But now, there is something to be said about using that for a zombie survival horror one shot. Yeah. Though. Like, everything's a zombie. And if you get bit, oops, looks like you're out. Yeah. And like, there's a very dramatic effect. But yeah, I could like, for the case of our game and for what I imagine will be 
a lot of other people's first games in Morkborg, zombies feel kind of like, whoa, what the fuck? Well, it is a DR8 toughness, so you are more likely than not, even with Frank, even with like a negative one, to win. Got it. Um, but still, like those are those are the kinds of things that that come up. Like I I use that as an inspiration, and like you were gonna if the mongrels had bitten you, um, you were gonna get infected if you had failed toughness DR8. Okay, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they did not because you just smashed them into paste. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it it was. I use it kind of as a guideline. The I, I I kind of intentionally made some of the early ones pretty easy. The Wicker mm-hmm. Man would have been pretty hard because um, he yeah. had some good armor. Um, but you ended up being able to just. Uh, get him on your side yeah and and i suppose like so hmm, i don't know i don't i don't know if this is necessarily the right way to phrase this question but like Mm -hmm. do you feel like have you read anything with like the creators of the game uh along the lines of like do you think that you know obviously everyone has their own play style and things like that and there's no right or wrong way to play a an rpg right if anyone is ever like this is the explicitly wrong way to play an rpg like i'll probably throw that book into the garbage um Mm. but like do you think that you know they ever envisioned that there might be a party who tries to like you know befriend this gigantic fuck off monster because it seems like it feels very akin to like a a dark soulsy feel where it's just like you get within like a half centimeter of that thing's like, you know, vision and it's going to smash you with its big old nasty hammer. And then like, you know, you die and then you pop back up and you, you know, drink your, your ether or whatever it's called. Uh, like, do you, SS flask or SS flask and yeah, whatever. I don't play video I've games. I've played a lot of dark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, do you, do you think that, you know, there like, do you feel like there were mechanics designed to, help you in the idea that we were trying to like circumvent this encounter or was that just you kind of just being like okay they put a lot of work into it it sounds cool i'm just gonna go for it well well i kind of just used um so this is kind of like an it's an osr game Mm -hmm. so i think that they're of the uh, they're of the uh school of thought that the rules are very light and if you want to do something else that's about you know adjudicate what you need to do if you need to roll dice to see if it works roll dice to see if it works i did have you guys roll several like you had to sneak past them and then you had to get across the gap i made that gap with the gears up just to give you another check um but you all did you all did good um so uh I, I sort of drew on my experience for for improvising that but yeah no the game doesn't have any like systems for that but i think that's I don't think it necessarily means that the game is designed to preclude negotiation or um, teaming up with things. Like it's kind of like the game doesn't tell you a specific procedure for doing it, but it also doesn't tell you not to do it. That's kind of the um, the philosophy. So it depends on who's playing, because like you know, it's, it's like you know, second edition D anD D or whatever. Like plenty of people played that game as kick down the door, kill the thing in the room, go to the next room, repeat over and over and over again it's a dark soul before the dark soul but 
plenty of people had like these socially complex games in that game system that had literally nothing for that. Okay. You know, not even like what's a persuasion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I, I think the game the game doesn't help you do it, and I wouldn't run a social intrigue game in Morkborg. <laughs> but uh, sure. But but I don't think the idea of like teaming up with a monster is outside of the the the, the concept. You know, plus it was, you okay. know, it made sense that you guys ended up teaming up with the Wicker Man because the Chronicle was tricking you and he wanted you to kill him. Hey, yeah, good point. Um, speaking of Go Dark Souls, us. I actually I actually had a mechanic in case you guys had all died. Um, I was going to it was oh, going to do sort yeah. of like a cosmic horror like this timeline didn't work. But maybe there's another timeline where, uh, you know, I was going to like it would be like in the narration uh, that. Okay. This this is not the only world where the Chronicle is trying to kill the Wicker Man and and the universe. It's happening in a bunch of different parallel worlds, and so you guys were gonna roll three d six and just like distribute your HP among your dead characters, and then just start right where you were. So this would have been a different world where you guys had gotten further without taking damage before. You know what? Nice. I was I was actually that was a question in the back of my mind, which was what would have happened if we just like ate it at the dogs first thing. Um mm-hmm. that. So is is that something you would also think of? Because when you when you had um initially told us to roll up two characters apiece, I thought it was going to be like, you know, uh choose choose your favorite favorite of the two. And if they ate it, then it's just like, and now up walks, you know, Merkai to the entrance mm-hmm. of that dungeon that Karg just ate it in immediately. Let's see how he does. Whereas, you know, um, not necessarily like a roguelite, but not not a roguelike, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was I was curious, um, like, if if that was the way to go. But it, it's cool to think because I was as I was thinking about it. I was I was wondering, you know, if if you know we played this and we had gotten super duper into it, like, where do you go from here? Because I know the game's pretty explicit, and it's like in the longest Morkboard game. I don't think that it's supposed to be longer than like six days or something like that. Um, no, you can do you can do any number of uh, editions. That actually brings me to another thing I was going to mention. Yeah, yeah. Finish your thought. Uh, I mean, no, it was it was just curious because it's like you know, I don't I I feel like you know we'll we'll get into this at the end, but to to kind of give a a sort of prelude is is I think that this game is is perfect for one shots, but I don't know if it's necessarily something I would want to play a long form campaign of. But I was just curious if you had thoughts about like ways to turn it into a more a a longer form campaign. So, so um. This brings me to, like, the mechanic that, when I saw this mechanic, it made me want to buy this game. My favorite mechanic, the calendar of Necrobell, was, I sort of adapted it for the, you know, when there was, like, that, there was a dead serpent in the place that was, like, convulsing and changing the geography. Um, Every 20 minutes, I was rolling a d4 for the next, like, step to happen. Um, I ended up just picking the right time. At a, at a couple of them, because since it was a one-shot for drama's sake, the passageway opening, the floor collapsing, um, the maggots coming out of the neck wound, the head falling off, and stuff like that. Um, but the calendar of Necrobell is sort of like how you organize the length of your Morkborg campaign, where um, 
they have these they have all these like scripture verses basic well like fictional scripture verses they're not real that would be pretty rad but um and uh you you roll a die every dawn and on a result of one you activate what they call a misery and there are seven miseries and when when the seventh one reaches the world ends and it's it's just done um so every day you're rolling to see if a misery happens and you get to choose what die you roll. So you could roll like anywhere between like a D100 is like they have like little subtitles for them. D100, years of pain. D20, a bleak half year. D10, a fall in anguish. D6, a cruel month. D2, the end is nigh. Okay. Okay. When I saw this, I was like, fuck, yes. So I tried to adapt that for, like, what was going on with the Dead Serpent. It didn't quite work in the same way, but I love the idea of a random table of completely world-changing events for a long-term campaign that totally shift the dynamic. The, the, the tough thing is that you can't really use the calendar in a one shot because they have, like, they have, like, a table of the miseries. And, like, they say stuff like, in one night, all those not yet of seven years and seven days shall pass, born and unborn, and the dawn shall give them life as eaters of men. Oh, wow. And it's like, and it's like, that changes everything. I need to prepare new stuff. Like, it, it, it's like, it totally, a lot of these, some of them are not quite that, like, uh, two, five, and glass shall become quartz. Like, cool, glass is quartz now. Like, whatever. But, you know, the, a lot of them are like world changing events. And I think that playing a sort of like, um, you know, adventure that lasts a, a long time and, and using this and you could make your own, you know, uh, calendar or your own set of miseries to prolong the life of the game. So you don't like, if you were playing it again, you could get repeats. Um, yeah. So, uh, that's sort of how I would do it. And I think that would be really fun uh, as sort of like you, you sort of make these little adventures and then these terrible things start happening and then the players have to react to that. Yeah. It creates a potentially really dynamic game as you're progressing through this story for sure. I like that. That's a very neat mechanic that I don't think I've seen elsewhere. I feel like I might have, but like I, it, if it's unfamiliar to me currently, I know there are other games that deal with like countdowns, like it's like uh, like six yeah. candles or something. Yeah, six candles uh, has a countdown. Um, Blades in the Dark also has like timers and stuff like that, but nothing quite like um, the world is going to end. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah like something so dr- like there's very rarely like super dramatic timers like that. Which is cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that um playing a sort of uh you know, any a, a, a limited uh limited uh adventure that's just like this is the this is the three months before the end of the world mm-hmm. could be really, really, really right, fun. Right. Because I really like this mechanic even though I couldn't really find a successful way to implement it into a single session. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of the pitfall of a a sort of one shot testing of these games, but 
If I if I had uh, had a little more time, and now that I've now that I've run it once, I would probably if I wanted to get this feeling, I would have honestly designed more because uh, I kind of had only one choice, which was you go right or left at the front. There was another encounter uh, if you had gone right, um, and I I toyed with the idea of having it kind of like invade the. Um, the first encounter because that was one of the things that could happen is like when the serpent falls and breaks that wall you were gonna have to fight both of them at once um but the, the time was getting long and i wanted to get to the end so i just let mm-hmm. it go um but in a uh, in a non-recorded game without a time limit i definitely would have done that um yeah yeah so i i think that that could be uh I, I would make a bigger dungeon with more pathways and then the rules would have changed what paths you could go on. Yeah. So then you would, you would have only ended up with like three or four encounters anyway, but like I would have had more options and then had the rules be like, well, you're going here now. So right, right. sucks to suck. Exactly. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what I would have done to get that, uh, get that feeling. Sure. Um, the only other thing, I, I I mostly had two thoughts about Morkborg because it is a smaller game. There isn't a whole lot to like pick. At. Yeah, for sure. In in the same way that like a bigger RPG would, but like the one thing that I it was kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time is it was so easy to play and nothing felt too mechanically complicated that like I feel like you could really throw this at just about anybody. Um, however, that being said, I was a little bummed that the class that I had acquired through random rolling basically just gave me an item and a bite Mm. that I couldn't like logically in my head use during the campaign. And when I did, I died. Um, I don't know if it was just like. I don't know how you felt about your class, Joe, because I don't, I don't, you're, you were the poison brewer or something. Yeah, I was, I was, I was a poison, a poison boy. The occult herb master. Um, Yeah. So like, I, I guess I don't know how strong that bite attack should have been. Like, is like, cause when I used it, the, before the meat rope, um, it didn't really seem to do anything that was like any more or less effective than like my standard attack Mm -hmm. but like the idea when i was reading it it was like but it leaves you open for an attack because you're literally just biting people that it felt very like well why would i ever use this over like a better weapon sure and so i felt like i i almost like liked my other guy belsom who was classless more just because I like I had this ability that I wanted to use, but like couldn't find a reasonable way to do it. But other than that, I I loved how easy this was to pick up and play. Like, it wasn't um. It wasn't like a technical nightmare like some games I've looked at where like um. Uh, God, what is it? Shadow Runner. Mm, oh is the one that i'm thinking of where it's like grab a bunch of d6s and throw them at the wall see what happens and like roll every d6 you own right um yeah 
So yeah, that was my second thought. Is I felt like the class, like, at least my class, because I don't know how you how you felt about yours, Joe, was was a little lackluster. Besides, like the sling that I used a couple times. Um, I you know I I feel like the occult herb master. Um, as I was looking back at it, I think I got really lucky on the two uh, potions I started with. Because the one was just like a straight up and down poison, which was pretty nice. And then the other was a thing that just like kind of made me a little bit better at seeing stuff or like my my perception. Um, so I feel like in a mechanical sense, I didn't I, I don't feel like my character's skills nerfed me in any way that quite to the same degree as as that bite, because that sounds like that's a little broken. Um, but I as I was looking back at it, I could see that there were builds that could make the occult or master a little frustrating. Um, but I, I don't think I necessarily saw a crazy difference between my two, my two characters, um, in terms of, I mean, outside of the fact that one was very strong and one was very tough. Um, so I, I guess it, that didn't impact me quite to the same degree as you did. Um, but I'm glad that we did one of each just because I think that that's a, um, an interesting thing that, you know, class here is optional and that you can, in theory, play a full game with, like, no class at all. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my only thought when it comes to the classes. Um, I think... Yeah, go ahead. I think one thing that might be... Uh, that we didn't engage with, you know, much like the calendar and much like, um, you know, eating and drinking and disease and stuff, another aspect of the game that we didn't engage with was scarcity of equipment. Because I kind of let you guys sort of go ham and buy all this stuff, mm. but like if it was just like you have what you start what you rolled to start with, like that bite could be really good if everybody rolls bad weapons. That's also true. I did get a really good roll on my initial weapon, so yeah, yeah. So so like if you if you know if you all started as Dark Souls deprived with nothing, like that would be a huge bonus. Right. Yeah, um, that's a good point. So I think that maybe uh, that's something for that. Yeah, the classes just seem very light. They're lightweight, which I like. Um, I some of them do seem better. Uh, like the their rogue slash thief equivalent has some crazy stuff, and also the like random table of like stuff you get. So, like because like you got the old Sigurd sling, um, yeah, which which was pretty good. You used that to brain a skeleton. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Like those tables, like on purpose, I'm sure, very widely in quality. Like some of the results are really good, and some of them are like, eh. I think you got a middling one. I think there's a few better ones on the Fang Deserter table, but uh, Sigurd Sling is not bad. Yeah, that that item was like it was all right. I mean, it. The nice thing about it was that it you you only needed like a hand sized rock or whatever it was. Sure, but um, yeah. But yeah, there's it, yeah, it definitely was like a mixture of roles kind of conflicting with each other, which was like why it feels mechanically strange to play a class when like, oh, I rolled a really good weapon, so like I've basically negated the class feature that I have yeah. unless I'm in a very precarious situation, which could happen, but it yeah, it was definitely like the randomness of the roles can really impact the classes in, in ways that I, I don't know if that's like supposed to be intended or like, it was just like a, like an oversight 
fight. I'll, be, I'll bet it's intended because, you know, the, it's very much a, again, like an OSR thing where it's like, you can just roll a bad character. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's also <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, Balsam yeah. had a negative two agility and about zeros and everything else except for strength. Yeah. I, I only have two, like, critiques of Morkborg. Um, number one is I feel like it's easy to get be- because it's so lightweight. I feel like it's and because it has like a blade of armor, meaning armor reduces damage. I feel like it's easy to get into a point where you're just like, well, let's I roll a die and you roll a die. Like it, it like that. It kind of got that way in the middle of the skeleton fight where we were just kind of like throwing dice. And I was just like, he you dodge again. He he hit, he tries to hit you and you dodge again. He dodges your swing. Like you, you're kind of it, it. doesn't have a lot of like. There's no shape to a lot of the battles if they're if if they're difficult. Like it can just kind of be, um, you know, thro- throwing plastic at each other sometimes because there's no positioning. There's no. Uh, uh, I mean, there's not no special moves, but a lot of them just kind of trigger off of attacks. And players don't really have a lot of other stuff. And it's just like, well, I attack. No, I attack. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely felt that in the, yeah, the skeleton fight. And then somewhat towards the end when it was, it felt kind of helpless. Like, it was just like, I, I sling dice. I sling dice. I sling dice. And it was just kind of like, all right, yeah. can, can I just either die or <laughs> murder something at this point? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I, I feel like th- that's one of the things in OSR where it's like you, you kind of and and we started. I feel like we started like really like getting into the flavor of what that what's good about that kind of game design near the end. Where you're like, we're gonna try and sneak past him, and then I'm like, okay, do this, and then you're, you're like, ah, I want to use my bite to, and my poison to take out the meat rope, and like I I made that whole meat rope thing up because originally he you know he was just gonna open the the crypt and then the serpent was going to come and that was the threat but then you know the way the story played out it was like you guys wanted to open it i'm like well they can't just open it then the game's over like i gotta figure out a way to make this uh you know so so i added all that stuff and then you know i was improvising that and um you guys were using your abilities on it and i was you know taking that into account so that that part was cool to me at least um but i can see how it could kind of feel like yeah at the end, like, what do I do? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was more talking about before we got to actually getting to the, the meat rope, where it was like the maggots, and it was kind of like, mm. it was more like, okay, do we hit the maggots? No. Do they hit us? No. And then, like, once yeah. we finally got to, like, okay, there's this secondary object, or there's this objective that we have. And I think once we figured out that, like, oh, maybe we should do something about, you know, the tomb then it became like oh yeah now we can really kind of get into it but yeah there were some card rides the serpent for like a turn before yeah. falling off it was cool yeah like, yeah there was a lot of cool stuff that eventually did happen but yeah there is kind of like that weird like you can accidentally get caught up in like i hit the skeleton the skeleton hits me and then you just kind of roll back and forth but yeah uh, yeah and i feel does... like god it does feel like you kind of have to be careful as a game master to not like like if you unless unless people are cool with that and they just love slinging dice to like throw numbers out and like you know more power to you but like if you do get caught up in those kind of monotonous things like adding 
you know, mechanic, like, you know, much like a secondary objective or things like that can alleviate yeah. that issue. Ways to change up the battle, like have the environment go in and, and, and be a threat and, and stuff like that. You know, things that are constantly making play. It, you have to provide like meaningful choices. Cause in the skeleton fight, your choice was, do I hit this skeleton or this skeleton? Mm-hmm. I guess there was a little bit of like, do I help Karg out of the bones or whatever? But I don't think that like bone trap mechanic was super successful. Um, it yeah, was successful so I, in the in the idea that like there was like a threat outside of the skeletons. But yeah, once we figured out like, oh, well, if you're just strong enough to fight through it, then you're fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. Creating a, a, a more a few more problems to to give interesting choices on what to do is like kind of key. Like you can't just like, here's my sack of hit points with a damage and throw it at them. I mean, that's true of any RPG, but it's kind of, it's kind of especially you can kind of see it in stark relief with so few mechanics. Yeah. 100%. Um, And my only other critique was this might be personal. I'm sure some people prefer this, but God, I wanted some fucking miniatures. Like, (laughs) theater of the mind <laughs> bent my brain oh yeah uh i feel that uh because we because we work in a audio medium having a yeah having a map didn't really make sense and you well, know that would have added a little more time but in, yeah in I a different 2020 like... we would have had miniatures but right yeah, yeah. Right. so yeah definitely I, I also agree. I would have loved to see this on, you know, Roll20 or your virtual tabletop. And I think that would have added a lot to the game. Yeah, I think it would have. I think it would have. It helps ground players in the environment. It helps me remember things. Like, I just straight up forgot a couple enemies. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, it's just like, eh, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Um, and, like, I know there was a lot of kind of, like, like fits and starts about like wait where is the guy how close are we can i get there and like we we were both kind of just like ah! <laughs> whatever you want <laughs> yeah yeah and i think that that uh i don't i think that that's actually i don't like it as much some people may prefer that simplicity but i think that um it can be more it's it can be more engaging when they're when everything's sort of laid out and then you don't have to ask those questions. Nice. All right. Final thoughts. And then we'll wrap her up. Yeah. Uh, my overall opinion, I'm actually of the mind that the one shot might be a bit too small for this game to really eke out all of the cool mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, unless your unless your one shot is literally like an eight hour stint. Um, yeah, I I would definitely prefer this as like a short little maybe four or five session adventure where, you know, you, you can you can really get because like some of those mechanics, I think I think the game was very well balanced around all of it being used and like yeah. kind of the randomness of it. So I doing a one shot again maybe i mean yeah probably like the game was really fun and i would definitely play in that world again like that kind of doom metal gothic apocalypse thing like that's an aesthetic that i really enjoy but i would prefer it in a 
you know, multi-session stint where, like, you know, maybe you're a band of mercenaries that's a lot bigger than, like, six people. And so, like, if you die, maybe you just have, you're another part of the mercenary group. Like, that could be a really fun, like, like the, like the game master could do, like, hey, your mercenary band is, like, a group of 20. But every time you die, you take from that list. And once you've hit zero, you're done. Like, you're out of people. Yeah. Um, and have it go for longer. At least that's my opinion on it. Um, but yeah, it's super fun. I would definitely do this again. Yeah. Um, I would, I would categorize this game, um, as a, as a breather game. Um, and so what I mean by that is I think I agree with you, Cody, that, you know, uh, I feel like a one shot might be a little too short for it unless you know, you're maybe like a, maybe like a, if you're doing like a weekend, you know, game marathon or whatever what have you um this is not something i would want to play as a full long drawn out campaign um but it's something i would say by by breather game i mean like you know if you're if you're stalling if you're if you're getting burned out on whatever your main campaign is and you want to do something where you just kind of hack and slash for a little bit and um you know kill some things and and get some glory uh, I think this is a fun game. As as Cody said, it's it's not super difficult to pick up and learn. Um, and I think that you know, um, sometimes sometimes the the sometimes the gamer in you just wants to wreck some stuff and feel really cool doing it. And I think you would be hard pressed to find a game better than Morkborg at you know just a classic cool walk through the dungeon hack and slash. Um, I think it was super easy to learn. Um, I think that, you know, um, if you have a friend who's into that doom death metal thing, this might be a fun thing to maybe even introduce them to, you know, draw them in a little bit before you get to the more complicated games. But um, yeah, this is something, you know, I, I could see myself devoting, you know, a, a Friday or a Saturday gaming session, you know, once every couple months to not necessarily something I would be super excited to come back week after week or even bi-weekly after bi-weekly. So that's my final thought on Morkborg. And what about you, David? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a, I think it's, I think we're all sort of feeling the sense that there's more to this game than what we did. Uh, and I, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, I think there's, I think there's more to be done here which uh, is cool. I actually, I kind of like that. I, I don't know that I've gotten that out of, not that I wouldn't want to replay some of the other games that we've played, but I, I definitely felt like in a number of those, um, we, we experienced most of what it was designed for as a one shot. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think here we're seeing that like, eh, there's a good like 40% of the game that we didn't really get. Um which I think I would be, it would be cool uh, to, to do that. And like, yeah, breather game or like, I'm thinking I would be fine playing like a three month campaign or something, you know, just like, because the game just has a nice, easy structure of like, Hey, it's going to end. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's definitely <laughs> whether you want it or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think that uh, it would be fun. I think that it, it could potentially be a fun uh, long-term campaign. You you would have to sort of, I think that you, you'd have to, the players would have to bring a lot, you know, with like the, uh, 
you know, adding some sort of emotional underpinning to it because the game uh, doesn't like it, you know, it doesn't even have like fifth editions, like backgrounds and ideals and bonds and flaws. Like it's kind of like, it's kind of it's, takes those things in open contempt, <laughs> you know, name your character if you want, it will not save them. Um, you know, but I, I feel like, I think that actually like a, a kind of like horror movie game, with like regular people, not like, you know, the strange, weird, uh, you know, uh, bad men that went through, uh, our one shot, but like regular people trying to survive in this gothic, horrible dying world could be really like compelling. Yeah. A hundred percent. That was another thing that I forgot to add is I think you could really use the base of this game and mold it into a lot of like, horror genre element games like i could see this being really fun as like a zombie apocalypse game or even like a slasher flick where like you have like nothing except for like one thing and like you just kind of go at it and the 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 creature or the the slasher villain that you gotta defeat is you know just created out of this game yeah yeah i think it could be great for that agreed all right. Well, uh, hey, David, do you have anything you'd like to, to plug at the moment or not? Nah? Not at this time. Okay, fair enough. Stay tuned. I always like to give the option, you know. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, hey, Cody, if people like this episode and they want to learn more, where's a place that they can learn more? They could go to our website at www.fandomroulette.com where you can get all of our episodes as they're going live a bunch of additional information about who we are and what we're doing as a whole. And then at the bottom, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, right above the social media tags, uh, there's a little form that you can fill out to basically tell us what kind of games you'd like us to run, the things you'd like us to do, you know, whatever, whatever it is you want to tell us, you can do it right there. And hey, if people want to listen to this episode, but they don't necessarily use the same podcasting app as you do, where are some places that they can go to find episodes of the show? Gosh, we're all over the place. We're on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Google, whatever the Google thing is, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. All you got to do is search Fandom Roulette. And hey, if people want to send us memes or check in or, or see, you know, learning a little bit more about us, uh, you know, the funny stuff. Are there any social medias where people can follow us and engage with us on the interwebs? Yeah, if you are a Twitter user, we are fandom r underscore podcasts. And if you are a Facebook or Instagram user, you just got to search fandom roulette. Also, please remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Um, you know, ring the bell if that's a thing. I think that's a thing on YouTube. Um, and, uh, you know, please leave a comment, tell a friend, give us five stars, anything, any little things like that you can do help us to move up the ranking so we can keep doing things like playing one shots and, and recording stuff like this for you guys to listen to. We know there's a lot of stuff out there right now for you to listen to. Uh, and we want to thank you for spending a little bit of time with us, uh, here at fandom roulette. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, and always, and, um, thanks once again to, to David for, for joining us on this, on this one shot adventure. Um, yeah, absolutely thrilled. And so, uh, that all that being said, uh, signing off for fan roulette, uh, this is Joe and I'm Cody and I'm David. And as always stay nerdy, stay super nerdy. Nerdy.